You're listening to Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher on Lead to Soar, bringing you the best leadership advice and mentorship from around the world. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Lead to Soar. Hey, Michelle, how are you doing? Oh, my God, I'm so busy, Mel. I've just got back from holidays and my email inbox is full and I've got meetings back to back all week. Oh, my gosh, that sounds crazy. (laughs) All right. So this is shepherding in exactly what we want to talk about today. How to stop saying and feeling so busy. Let's break this down. So, Michelle, I want to go straight to some feedback that you got a while ago. Somebody gave you feedback at work that was related to this. What was that feedback And what did you realize upon reflection? Thanks, Mel. The feedback I received when I was still in my corporate career as an executive was from one of my HR colleagues who said, Michelle, you probably should slow down a bit. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, you're always rushing. You're always walking fast, talking fast, flitting from here to there and looking really busy. And at the time I thought, oh, well, that's just ridiculous. All of you are too slow and you're not keeping up. And I don't know, I don't know what to do with that feedback because that's just not me because I am a busy person and I do walk fast and talk fast, which I do, listeners, I walk and talk fast. However, as years have gone by and as I've reflected, as I do, because you all know that I'm a big fan of reflective practice, I've reconsidered that advice and thought what was really being said to me and what was really being said was that I didn't look like I was in control. I looked like my diary was managing me, not the other way around. And as a leader, particularly a very senior woman leader in the organisation, I wasn't really setting a good example or being a great role model. So there you go. Okay, I want to dig in a little here. Do you think that maybe at the time you received this advice, do you think you almost put up a wall against it because it pointed out some things that maybe you took pride in in that time? Like, well, of course, I'm busy and I have things to do. And and yes, I move quickly. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And you've hit the nail on the head there because I took a lot of pride in having a full diary, being in back-to-back meetings, having lots and lots of emails. I wore busy like a badge of honour. I wore it like, well, look at how important I am because I have to go to all these meetings and I have many, many things, many demands on me. So yes, I did wear it like a badge of honour and that feedback, whilst I didn't stop, breathe and reflect on it at the time, should have been telling me that, you know, I was actually focusing on all the wrong things, not necessarily the right things. Now, I think I clearly I was successful, so I was doing some things right, but it was an ego-driven badge of honour, that busy badge of honour that I was wearing. So it did hurt. I want to ask you to say more about setting an example. You mentioned that maybe you weren't setting the best example at that time. So what makes you say that? What do you think is setting a good example as a leader? So setting a good example as a leader, again, I'll go back to someone 
that I was my two-up manager, so my manager once removed quite some years ago, who I was a little bit bewildered by at the time by this particular behaviour of his, but we worked in an open plan office. It was in the early 2000s and everyone knew that this particular manager, you did not disturb him when he was facing the window and we worked in a high rise, we worked in Rialto Towers, which for Melbourneites will know was one of the tallest buildings in Melbourne for a long time. Plate glass windows, you looked out the windows, had magnificent views. And when this particular manager would always have anywhere between half an hour and an hour every afternoon typically in his seat just looking out the window. When he was doing that, you did not disturb him. Now, I did ask my boss at the time, I said, what's the story here? And he said, well, that's the thinking time. That's the strategizing time. That's the making sense of things time. And I sort of went, whatever, what a waste of bloody time because I was so wise 23 years ago. Um, And the lesson I didn't take at that time was the lesson that was trying to be delivered to me 10 years later, which was people look to you and they will do what you do. And if you're demonstrating that leadership is about being flat out and busy and harried and flustered and always running from meeting to meeting, well, number one, who are you going to attract to leadership? Who's going to want to do that for a start? You know, there's an image that you're creating about leadership that isn't attractive and certainly since the global pandemic, Mel, we've many, many, many people are re-examining how they do life, which includes work and what that means and how we glean greater meaning from it. However, the flip side is a very important one, which stands the test of time. And Susan Colantuno, our wonderful co-host, brought me in on this when we first met, which was, what impression are you creating to the people who are making decisions about your capability if you look flustered and harried and you're always rushing around. Are you in control? Are you delivering outcomes? Are you just rushing from fire to fire? You know, Are you firefighting every day? Or are you doing what my two-up manager did 20-odd years ago, taking time to think about what's my next right move? How's my next one hour one day, one week? How should that be spent? Am I working on the right things? Am I trying to solve the right problems? So I know this is a pretty big concept all bundled into being busy, but you know, this is what being busy, being flat out, being in back-to-back meetings, it conveys an impression that may not land where you particularly want it to land. Yeah. I just want to paraphrase that a little bit for our listeners. So When we think about the people who have the power and influence to help us advance in our careers, whether that's people who are more senior to us in our organization, or maybe we are an entrepreneur looking for funding and we're creating a perception to people who could potentially invest in our business, et cetera. What impression are we giving them about how we work and operate and our capability in those moments? So let's talk about perception here. Michelle, when you talk about managing 
perception, what do you want our listeners to really hear in this context around busyness? So the very first principle that I'd like to share is that your career success is dependent on your proven and your perceived leadership ability. Now, proven, there's all sorts of ways to prove, you know, and if you think about your the cycle at work, you've got performance evaluations, you've got scorecards, you've got employee engagement surveys, 360-degree surveys, all sorts of things. So there's, there are ways of proving. However, what about perception? How are people perceiving you? Given that we're, we're recording this at the beginning of 2023, it's a really nice reflection point, a nice question to ask yourself. How am I perceived as a leader who's ready for either mastery of my current role or ready for the next role or the one after that? And creating the perception, and this is based on reality, but creating the perception that you are in control, working on the right stack of work, contributing to the organisational outcomes in a meaningful way. How is your being busy and saying you're busy contributing to that? Does it contribute or does it detract from it? I would suggest that if you're the person who is always busy, hard to get hold of, doesn't answer emails, out of control, are you the person that people are going to go, wow, she's nailing it, ready for the next role, ready for a stretch assignment, ready to be a contributor to that project team? No, she's too busy. (laughs) She's too flat out. Yeah, we don't usually associate the person who's like, oh, I'm in back-to-back teams meetings all day long with, oh, they're nailing it. 100%, 100%. (laughs) So this is the, the what and the so what. Let's stop saying we're busy. So what does that mean? What does it mean is it is detracting from the perception of you as a leader who can contribute to organisational outcomes, both within your current role and potentially for whatever is next for you. Now what? What do we do about that, Mel? Well, dear listener, this is your invitation to stop, breathe and reflect because if you feel that your life and your schedule is indeed overly busy and it's your sort of default to answer this way that, oh God, I'm so busy and I'm in these back-to-back meetings, stop, breathe, reflect. And let's talk about getting some control over your schedule or as Michelle would say, your diary. So Michelle, talk to us about that, getting control of your diary. So getting control of your diary. Now, Listeners, I absolutely acknowledge that we have listeners at all different career stages. And I also acknowledge that when I was given this feedback, I was an executive. So I had a fair degree of control over my diary. As a business owner now, I have absolute control over my diary. So I'm acknowledging that different career stages, we have more or less control over our diaries. However, let's assume that you get 10 invitations to 10 meetings next week when you return to work. The first thing is, do I need to be at each one of those meetings? Do I really need to be there? And for me, a well-run meeting has an agenda sent in advance so that you know the purpose of it. You know what's for discussion, what's for decision, and what's just for information, informational purposes. 
So if you're invited to a meeting and there's no agenda, ask for one because then you can determine if you're really required. And you're required if you're a contributor to the decision-making or a contributor to the discussion around future decision-making. So that would be number one. Do you really need to be at that meeting? And if some of you are going, well, yeah, I really need to be there, go, okay, who might I be holding back from being at a meeting? And I'm talking to bosses here. Bosses, if you're going to the same meetings as your direct reports, apart from your team meetings, of course, why? If they're doing a really good job and they're really clear on the outcomes they've got to deliver, why are you showing up to all their meetings? So let them fly. Get out of the way. The second step, in fact, I'm going to contradict myself. This is actually the first step. What is my positional purpose? And if you don't know what positional purpose is, you can come and join us in our network because we do a lot of work on positional purpose. But positional purpose is essentially, what do we pay you to do around here? What are the outcomes that you are leading for? What's on your scorecard? So if, if your activities in the next one hour, one day and one week are not related to the outcomes you have to deliver for in your role, for your team, for your business, then you have to run a really, really stringent eye over those activities and say, why am I going there? Why am I getting myself involved in things that aren't to do with my positional purpose, with what I'm paid to do? And that includes emails. <laughs> It's the CYA email, the cover your ass email. I see a lot of them sent, you know, everyone in the world on them and CC'd. Do you have to reply all? Do you even have to read that email? Is it something that you need to contribute to? If not, bomb it or put it in a to read later when you've got time. So understand your positional purpose. Really question the forums that you're turning up to or that you're invited to. Should I, Do I really need to be there? And then the third thing is, have a look at your diary. I really want you to block out time for whether it's thinking, whether it's problem solving, whether it's professional development or all three and say, have I got enough time in my diary for things that are going to get me ready for either the next role mastery of my current role, whatever it may be, because this stuff is not going to happen magically or fit in around everything else. So number one, positional purpose. Number two, question everything. Do I need to be involved in that meeting, that email trail? And number three, get control of your diary. Put time in for thinking, problem solving and professional development. I'll just reiterate that latter one. You really can't afford not to do that. So I think there's been quite a lot of research around the amount of time it takes to get into a state of flow and be in a state where you can come up with those great strategies, do some really effective problem solving, etc. There's a book called Flow. I cannot pronounce the author's name correctly. So I'll just ask you to Google Flow book, maybe psychology in there, and you'll find what I'm talking about. Thank you, Michelle. These are great tips. There's other tools out there to help you listeners to block time and to turn off distractions when you're blocking time to get your your most important positional purpose work done. At the very heart of this, the second last piece of advice I'm going to give you is to retrain yourself about how to answer the question, how are you? 
So when people ask, how are you, instead of saying, oh, flat out and busy or really good, say, I'm really proud of the project I'm working on at the moment. We've got a really full schedule this week, but next week I'm going to spend some time reflecting on the outcomes we've delivered, whatever. So talk about the progress that you're making. Talk about, I'm really excited about some things happening in my life, whatever it may be. I'm really proud of my team, my boss. Instead of saying, I'm busy, talk about, and remember this is in the context of the perception of you as a leader, talk about the things that you are doing to contribute to your growth and the organization's growth. So talk about that proudly. And then the final piece of advice, which is a direct quote from Susan, Susan Colantuno, is think about this. If you can't handle the job that you have, why would anyone give you the job that you want? Never, ever say you're busy. Ah, oh. <laughs> boom, <laughs> Susan. There you go. There you go. All right, let's take it home. Uh, let's set a good example for our listeners here. Do you want to uh, give us an example of the, the, a better way to answer? Michelle, how are you doing? Oh, really good, Mel. I'm excited because I've got some travel coming up to see my family in Western Australia. And while I'm there, I've got two really important meetings with some collaborators uh, and a potential client that I'm excited about having time with because I know that that's going to contribute to what I want to do in the world, which is closing the global leadership gender gap. Oh, leaders, you hear that? That sounds like someone who is knocking it out of the park. (laughs) Well, I try. And, you know, all of us are fallible, Mel. And, you know, certainly leading up to the end of the year last year, I always say I live a full and fulfilling life. At the end of the day, if I'm feeling out of control and too busy, the B word, I've got to look at myself because it's actually me that's in control. So, you know, sometimes we are deliberately living very, very full lives. But let's stop, breathe and reflect on why is that so? Is that something that I can sustain? Often it is not. And what am I going to do about that? Thanks, Michelle. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. We'll talk to you next time on the Lead to Soar podcast. See you, Mel. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lead to Soar. We sincerely appreciate your honest, positive reviews. You can leave questions at leadtosoar.com for Michelle and Mel to answer on future episodes. Until next time, we hope you'll use what you've learned here and lead to soar.